So I meant to get a picture up on the screen and I forgot. So I'll do it the strange way here for those of you that can see it. Does anyone know? I'll come all the way down. Does anyone without calling out know what this thing is? If you know, don't say. If you, if you couldn't see it, you can look it up later. But years ago, I was at my sister's house, and she had this. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out what it was. Because it looks like a teapot with no handle, but it's plastic. So I knew you couldn't boil water in it. And it had a weird top, and you could really hurt yourself with one of these things if you don't know what you're doing. It's called a neti pot. You shove it in your nose, you tip your head somehow sideways, and water runs through your nose, and it comes out the other nostril, and it's supposed to make you healthy. Well, in the United States military, that's a technique called waterboarding. At CVS, it's $9.99. Neti pot is a strange thing a lot of people don't recognize, and you can hurt yourself with it if you don't know what it's for. Someone say, Pastor, where are you going with this? Pastor, where are you going with this? Thanks, Mia. Thanks for coming back, too. The Sabbath is a strange thing. And if you don't know what you're doing with it, you can really hurt yourself with it. Luke 6. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with a withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. It's the word of the Lord. So, Sabbath. What y'all do on the Sabbath? What do you have to do on the Sabbath? Does it matter what you do on the Sabbath? What in the world is the Sabbath? I will tell you, amongst Christians in our context, that is a neglected, misunderstood circumstance, or commandment, I'll say, that we do all sorts of damage with and through. The opposite side of the coins of the Jews, but the same error and the same result. You see, in Judaism, the Sabbath is at the pinnacle and it's at the foundation of their religious rituals. Sabbath rules and regulations, 24 chapters of the Talmud and what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. For example, you cannot walk more than 3,000 feet on the Sabbath. Why? Is it in the Bible? 
No, it's in the Talmud. So it's Sabbath day journeys, 3,000 feet, but if you put food on the day before the Sabbath, 3,000 feet away, your 3,000 feet starts there. Today, they have Sabbath elevators. You ever seen one? They, this is true. They stop on every floor. So you don't have to push a button. Because if you push a button, you know what it's called? Work. Rules, rules, rules. Jews felt if you keep these rules, you could earn God's favor. The church today, you know what you have to do on the Sabbath? See, you're going to go, nothing, we're under grace. Careful. Are you sure? Are you really sure? Do you have to worship God on the Sabbath? Are you sure? I don't know. I do know. What is the Sabbath command in Exodus 20? Do no work. What's work? Why, why do no work? What does it matter? Well, the Jews messed that sucker up and Jesus came to blow it up. You see, Jesus was walking through the grain fields and he broke five commandments. Reaped, threshed, sifted, grinded, and prepared food. Five Jewish commandments from the Talmud. But did he break God's commandments? Good morning, everybody. <laughs> did he break any of God's commandments? I mean, don't, don't you, the answer is obviously no, because Jesus never sinned. But where did they come up with these rules about reaping, threshing, sowing, preparing? Because you're not supposed to work. Well, what's work? Well, they defined work legalistically, and Jesus said, hold up. There's a story in 1 Samuel, what is it, 20? 1? Help me out, folks. 1 Samuel 21, where David's fleeing Saul. He goes to the temple, or the tabernacle. Ahimelech is the priest. It's a mile outside Jerusalem. His men are hungry. They got nothing but the bread of the presence, which is only for the priest, but they're going to starve. So Ahimelech says, are you ceremonially unclean? David says, you bet we are, and he gives him the bread. And Jesus says, if a priest can break God's ceremonial law to show mercy and compassion, surely I can break your religious man-made regulations to show mercy and compassion. God desires mercy and compassion, not ritual and regulation. Amen? Then he keeps going and he goes to the synagogue and a man with a withered hand and the, the Talmud said no healing on the Sabbath. A physician could not treat a patient on the Sabbath unless death was imminent. Imminent death was the only thing a physician could address. Man with a withered hand, Jesus could heal him any time. Jesus asked them a question. You see the question? They can't answer it. Why? They either say, we're cruel or you're right. And when they don't answer, he says to the man with the withered hand, stick out your hand. A recreation miracle, a new hand. And it says, the Pharisee saw the work of Christ and believed in him that very day, right? What does it say? They became furious. Literally, that word furious means devoid of understanding. I can blow through this real quickly today. But I won't. No, I'm kidding. But I, I really want you all to think about this. 
What is the Sabbath? Jesus came to a institutional Judaism, not Old Testament, institutional Judaism, and through works-based righteousness of Sabbath keeping, they presented a false solution based on an ultimate deception that on their own people could merit God's favor. Said another way, they tried to convince people that they were right with God when they were not. And they did it through distorting the Sabbath. Legalism. Today in most churches, the distortion, or most religions, the distortion is through antinomianism, cheap grace. It doesn't matter what you do. God loves you as you are. Just be the best you you can be in and obey God to tap into his power so he will work for your favor. Let's stay focused on the Sabbath, though. I'm talking to church family here. I'm talking to believers here. And if you're not a believer, it's okay. I'm still talking to you. What is the Sabbath? How do you keep the Sabbath? We celebrate in the church the Sabbath on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. The Jews were Friday night to Saturday night. We are where, well, we'll just say we're Sunday for now. I won't get too far into that. It moved in the early church. It's Resurrection Day. But what does the Lord intend for us to do in keeping the fourth commandment on this side of the cross? Now, some of you are thinking in your head, well, I'm pretty sure it's something to do with grace and we don't have to keep the Sabbath because in the Bible, doesn't it say that Jesus is our Sabbath rest? So it doesn't matter what you do, you do what you want. Wrong. The last part was wrong. The other parts were right. Do you have to ride a Sabbath elevator on the Sabbath? You sure? Or are you just hoping because that's nauseating? You got a Sabbath refrigerator, the lights don't come on. If you think I'm kidding, they have them for real. You will not merit God's favor by anything you do. You will only merit God's favor by what he's done on your behalf. And here's what Jesus came to do. And here's why Jesus became literally infuriated, not devoid of understanding, but angry at the religious leaders because they peddled a false gospel of works-based righteousness. They missed a gift from God and turned it into an unbearable burden, the Sabbath. Do you see the Sabbath as a gift from God? Don't work. Just think about your vocation, your job. The thing you do during the week to earn an income. Do you do that on the Sabbath? Don't answer out loud. Do you do that on the Sabbath? Right, we, we got a family that shuts down their shop on the Sabbath. Is God more pleased with them for shutting down their shop on the Sabbath? Are they going to receive a, a windfall from the Lord, a financial blessing because they shut down the shop on the Sabbath? I don't know. I mean, that's a nice Ferrari you guys are riding in. Hey, but what, what do you do with work on the Sabbath? But let me spin the question this way. Why do you do what you do with work on the Sabbath? Why don't you work on the Sabbath? Do you want to know what the Sabbath is? Hebrews 3 and 4. I'm not going to unpack them today, but listen to this. In Exodus 20, 11, I think it is. Why, why think? Why not just look? Exodus 20, verse 8, starts the fourth commandment. I think. Yes. 
Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it. You shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, your livestock, your sojourner who's within your gates. Check this. In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Time out, stop. God rested? I have created everything, and I am worn out. I shall rest. You believe that? You think God needed a recharge? Huh? Nope. So what does it mean that God rested on the seventh day? Well, it means God gazed upon his good creation and was well pleased with it, is what it means. Do you know what the Sabbath is? It's a gift from God for you to rest and recreate. We use the word recreation. Why don't we use it with a hyphen? Recreation. It's a day for rest and recreation upon which we can step back, gaze upon the finished work of God, and be fully pleased in it, Allah in Christ. Allah, Christ is our Sabbath rest. It's a day when we cannot work to be reminded by God that he rules and reigns and we do not. It is a day we set aside for worshiping as a a church family to be nourished and healed spiritually. Interestingly, Jesus fed on the Sabbath and Jesus healed on the Sabbath. I'm making an assumption. I can't stand emphatically on this. But isn't that why we gather on the Lord's Day as a church family to be fed spiritually and nourished from God's word and cared for by one another in fellowship? So so here's the question. If you were a Jew, could you go into the office on the Sabbath? No. We hear Moishi has gone to the office on the Sabbath. Moishi, come hither. Yes, says. Were you in the office on the Sabbath? Um, Yes, sirs, but it was an emergency. Well, you are damned from the temple now. So sorry, I'll do penance. That's how they ran. Here's how how we run on the other side with cheap grace. Where's Moishi been? Oh, he's in the office. How long's he been there? Last seven years. Moishi! Yeah, what are you doing? Getting rich. Come on back to church. I don't got to, it's grace. Which one's wrong? Neither one is resting. And Jesus came to the Jewish leaders and he took their system that was meant to be a gift in which people were to rest. And they turned it into rituals and regulations and a legalistic burden saying, keep these rules and maybe you earn God's favor. There was no grace. There was no mercy. There was no compassion. There were just rules, rules, and rules. And then comes Jesus who says, to quote a very old hymn, set your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Rest in him and him alone, glorious, complete. We're not made to labor Day after 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 day. Shall I stop? We're made to labor 
in the Lord and for the Lord. And yes, vocationally, there's a necessity to labor. And that can be done as an act of worship to God. But quite often, our vocation becomes our functional God. Amen? But at the same time, so too does rest. We're made to rest. But we're not made to simply rest and rest and rest and rest and rest and rest. And we call that retirement. I've been told by numerous relatives who have retired in the past five to ten years to not ever do it because your days will fill up with doctor's appointments, your body will fall apart, and then you will die. But I've never met a retired person, apart from Christ, who said to me, this is awesome. The view of the mountains over the lake, I have perfect contentment. The view of the the, the sound of the waves as they lap along the side of the boat, my cup overfloweth. The the sound of of grandchildren running around the multi-acre estate that we live on with the horses that never poop. Life could be no better. You see, for a moment in time, it may feel relaxing, but it's not necessarily resting unless you're truly resting in Christ. Do, Do you see that? And here's what happens. And here's what Jesus came to do. And Jesus is systematically working his way through so many problems in the Jewish system. Remember we had the thing with fasting last week? Was that just last week? Wow. Well, they were fasting to try to earn God's favor, right? And I hope you took away from that. If you're fasting to earn God's favor, you have a problem. There's an appropriate way to fast as you've already received God's favor, but you don't fast to get his favor or get bonus points. Sabbath keeping is not about, well, God, we're going to do this so we get this from you. No! God, we're going to enjoy this because we've received this from you. You you, you hear what I'm saying there? It's kind of like flip side of the same coin, because I imagine there are very few Sabbatarians in here. You don't even know what a Sabbatarian is. You, You got strict principles for how you keep the Sabbath. You ever know a Sabbatarian? Real, real life believers do this, and, and there's an aspect that can be commendable, but it goes off the tracks a little bit. Some people will not watch television on the Sabbath. They will try to, as an act of worship, to not watch television. That could be a good thing. Could be a really bad thing. But the why behind the what is the issue. Some people won't shop at a store on the Sabbath. Now you're all going, well, I watch TV and I shop. Some people won't go to the office on the Sabbath. Careful now, because a lot of us do work on the Sabbath, right? What's that look like for a pastor? Well, I can get ahead in my sermon prep. I got a couple hours this afternoon. Why not just start banging out some study time and free up some time later in the week, right? Well, careful, champ, because the question is, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because I don't trust that God will provide for all of my needs? If that's the issue, i got a problem. If it's because I'm going to go visit someone for two days this week to show mercy and compassion, and i got to get a little bit of work done beforehand, well, that's a little bit different story now, isn't it? But we have to think through why we're doing what we're doing, and we get all the way to the Sabbath. And, and here's how I want to take this text today. It's because we live in a time where, where 
man, we've screwed this up. Sunday is the day you go to church when it's mostly convenient, and then the rest of the day is just like any other day for us, but more specifically, you run around and get errands done that you didn't have time to do during the week, right? That's the Sabbath. How rested are we feeling? How focused are we on Christ? Think about what God's commandment is. It's a ceremonial command. It's not a moral command. I want to explain the difference there. The bread of the presence. So, so when David went to Nob, he ate the bread of the presence. That comes out of Leviticus. Oh, I wrote it down. 24, 5 to 9. It's a law, but it's a ceremonial law, which is how Ahimelech allowed them to eat the bread. It pointed to Christ. You can't tweak out of a moral law. You shall not commit adultery. But Lord, she needs to hear the gospel. <laughs> Don't be stupid. But a ceremonial law points to Christ. The Sabbath is a ceremonial law. That's why you'll see as you read through the New Testament, it's handled differently than the moral laws. You shall not kill, right? We'll go through the, 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 the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. You'll see Jesus deal with moral law and unpack it. But the ceremonial law is slightly different, but the issue isn't the Sabbath is gone and dead. Do you know what the issue is? What the Sabbath pointed to has come. We above all people are truly able to enjoy a Sabbath rest because our Sabbath rest has come and lived and died and risen. Do, do you understand that? God's gift is saying to us, take a day off. Take a day to be reminded of setting your deadly doing down. Take a day to set aside trying to provide for yourself. Take a day to set aside and quit trying to find joy and peace and rest and contentment in the things the world offers and find it in me. And for the Jews, they said to their people, no, 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 we will do this by not working. Well, well what does work mean? We rabbis will talk about this. Okay. So you may not walk on the Sabbath. Okay, how far? Oh, we'd be right back. 3,000 feet. Oh, but, but, but I, ah, synagogue's 4,500 feet. Oh, oh, hang on. I got it. If you tie a piece of rope to a board and the rope comes in your front door, that is a door to your house, your 3,000 feet start from there. And if you think I'm kidding, read the Talmud. You may not bathe on the Sabbath, because if you bathe, water can run off your body, hit the floor, that's washing the floor. You may not bathe. If you think I'm kidding, read the Talmud. Jesus didn't come to put a burden on us that we couldn't handle in the Sabbath. He came to put a gift before us and say, turn to me and be saved. And in that gift of the Sabbath, God gives us the opportunity to take a day and focus it upon resting in Christ, being nourished in Christ, and doing so with the people of Christ for the glory of Christ under the administration of the spiritual gifts of Christ himself. Do you ever think of God that way? God wants you, as his children, to relax, to rest, to realize Jesus said something on the cross that we too often forget. It is finished. Who are you trying to 
impress? Why do you do what you do on the Sabbath? Is it because you can? Is it because you have to? Or is it because of your identity in Christ by his power you want to? Do you understand that? If you're saved, listen to this, listen to these errors. If you're saved, can you go into the office on the Sabbath? Under the Jewish principle of legalism, the answer is absolutely not. That is breaking a commandment of God. Under the false teaching of, of cheap grace, of course you can. What does it matter? We're saved by grace. Now, somebody here is going in the office this afternoon, and I hope you have a little tension going, well, well, well here, here's, the, here's the real answer. You could. You're not saved by works. But why do you want to? There are answers that are pleasing to God to go into the office on the Sabbath and work. The answers that are not pleasing to God as far as going into the office, but your salvation is not at stake. What's at stake? Your rest. Your ability to recreate, to, to recreate, to be utterly satisfied in God. Do you see that? I don't know if there's been a people in the history of humanity that are more busy than us. And I don't just mean this room, I mean this, this country, this area in particular. We got so much stuff to do. It's, there was a commercial when I was a kid. It was about, remember the crack, crack campaign, just say no to drugs of Nancy Reagan? And in the streets of New York City, in the Bronx in particular, it was all these graffiti of, crack is whack. Crack, oh, crack is whack. Didn't really work too effectively. But there was a commercial that said, I work to make more money to buy more drugs so I can work more, so I can make more money, so I can buy more drugs, so I can work more, so I can make more money, so I can buy more. Jesus comes in and says, stop. What drug you taking? What idol you worshiping? Why are you doing what you're doing? Jesus worked because we couldn't do the work God demanded that we do, right? Jesus doesn't give us drugs. He gives us righteousness and life in his name. And he says to us, it is finished. My friends, what Jesus is saying to the Jews is, do, do you all understand what you're doing here? I'm walking in a field with my disciples. And, and you love the Pharisees. I, I, I'm sure they had early binoculars. Because how you keep up with Jesus with a 3,000-foot limit, right? They probably had planks of wood all over, all over Palestine so they could go see Jesus. He's out with his disciples. They're hungry. They're going in the fields. And Deuteronomy 23 says, if you, verse 25, when you're going through the field, you can't use a sickle, but you could grab some food. They're hungry. God himself says to his disciples, grab some grain and eat, guys. God doesn't say, you may not eat, it is a Sabbath. You must be hungry until darkness. Right? He's eating. They're having some food. And the Pharisees say, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus does not accommodate them, does he? He doesn't say, I am so sorry I forgot. No. He says to them cynically, have you not read? Don't, don't you love that? You, you, you people, you, you Bible thumpers, huh? Hey, Bible thumpers, haven't you read the Bible, you thumping? 
Don't you remember 1 Samuel 21? David and his people going through the land, running from Saul, running to Nob, Ahimelech, the bread of the presence. Right? You whitewashed tombs. He entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence. Again, ceremonial law. Look at this a minute. Leviticus 24. You know that book you haven't read? Read it. It's wonderful. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, if you're getting there. If you don't get there, I could be making up what I'm saying, so you better double check. Leviticus 24, verse 5. You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf. And you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It's for, from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offering, a perpetual due. You say, what is going on here? Well, well, let me tell you, from a Jewish kid to a believing community, do, do you remember when Jesus said, I am the bread of life? This is a weekly memorial pointing to God as a provider and sustainer of all. The one from whom we receive all nourishment. And Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, hey, remember what happened with David and Nob and the bread, and that's a ceremonial commandment that, that the priest Ahimelech uh, was able, because of mercy and compassion, to step outside of to feed David and his men? Well, guys, I'm going to unpack this fully for you right now, says Jesus to the Pharisees. But go read Leviticus. Hi, I'm here. Do, do you see what just happened there? They don't get it. They're totally blind to it. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the one who came that that bread pointed to. We'll grab a little grain out of the field, fellas. And then he says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. That should make your skin crawl. He says, you got rules for the Sabbath. I own the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. And then on another Sabbath, he enters a synagogue. That's where Jesus hung out on the Sabbath. Why? Listen, do you have to go to church on the Sabbath? The Jewish legalistic system would say, yes, you do. And listen, growing up as a Jew outside New York City, do you know what you saw every single Saturday morning, even in pouring rain? Hundreds and thousands of men and women in their dark suits walking to temple. Walking, you don't drive. They would walk to temple, you come back early afternoon, and you go back in the evening to break the Sabbath. Every single Saturday. You never showed up at the Giant Games that they played on Saturday. You never, you never took Uber. You walked. Why? Because you felt that by doing so, you were pleasing to God. No, no, no. No, no, no. What do we do? We fall on the other side of the coin. I don't have to. Those poor Jews, I don't even have to go to temple unless I want. No, 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 no. The question is, why wouldn't you want to rest in Christ? What is better than Christ that you're chasing after? Who is a more faithful and full provider than God himself? Do you see that? And then he comes back on another Sabbath in the synagogue. It's a man with a withered hand. And Jesus knows what he's doing. He, he knows these guys got their silly little rules and regulations about physicians. 
This guy has a wither, it was paralyzed, it was crippled, it was deformed. It's so interesting when you unpack it. Pharisees are watching him. What are they watching for? They're not watching to see if he has the power to heal. They already know he does. He's been doing stuff, remember? So, so they, I mean, just wrap your mind around it. We're, we're going to watch a miracle so we can kill you. I mean, that's just, that's just the epitome of, of crazy. Huh, it's kind of what it is to not trust you. Well, anyway, we'll move on. Man with a withered hand, they're watching him, see if he'll heal on the Sabbath so they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. How did he know their thoughts? He made them. And chew on that a minute. He made them. He didn't need anyone to tell him about man's thoughts. He knew what was in the heart of man because he made man. So he knows their thoughts, and then he says to them, I mean, he says to the man with a withered hand, this poor guy, this wonderfully exciting moment, but this guy's got to be a little nervous. He says to him, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. You ever wonder why everyone always did what Jesus told them to do? Hmm, think about that. And he said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? Nobody answers. So what are they going to say? It's lawful to do harm. No, they've just exposed their heart. Well, it's lawful to do good. Careful, because now he can heal. What you, what you going to do? Nothing they can, don't you love his questions? It's almost like he's the wisest man who ever lived. And he looked around at them, and he says to him, the man, stretch out your hand. Now, I don't know that that's in the Talmud about, about miraculously recreating a hand without touching or doing anything, but somehow they were sure that was work. I mean, stretch out your hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored. You ever know a paralyzed person? My sister had a friend with spina bifida. Her legs were like this. Imagine, boom, they fully form up with muscle. What would you be doing? Kill him! The insanity! But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. Sabbath. What is a neti pot? Don't use a neti pot. It scares me. But don't be scared by the Sabbath. Don't abuse the Sabbath. Enjoy the Sabbath as a gift from God. Think about why you're doing what you're doing, be it work or rest, because that's what we do on the Sabbath. We're, we're making a choice. Are we going to get extra work done? Or are we going to pack in some rest? Can I tell you a secret? You will not be able to provide for all of your needs on your own, no matter how smart you are, how rich you are, or how wise you think you are. Nor will you be able to rest as you were made to rest in Fiji, in Taipei, or in Key West. You, you pick your preference. You will only find rest in Christ. You will only find provision through God himself. And it is not until you are willing to cry out to God, not my will, but yours be done, 
that you will be able to enjoy the Sabbath, not because you have to, not because it doesn't matter if you do, but because you understand it as a gift from God and an invitation to rest and recreate for his glory as his people. Amen? It's uncomfortable, though, because now you all want to write your own little Talmud. Well, is it okay to go to an Eagles game on the Sabbath if I go to church in the morning? You missed the whole point. But wrestle with it. Are you going to go to hell if you go to an Eagles game? You might, but you might not. has nothing to do with the Eagles. has everything to do with who Christ is. Amen? The question has nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with rest and recreation. And let me, let me affirm this. That people can go to a football game who love Jesus immensely, worshiping him by going to the football game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll even make it even crazier. You can not gather with your church family on a particular Sunday for the glory of God, enjoying his Sabbath as he intends. But there's a why behind the what. Amen? Jesus' invitation in the Sabbath is so wonderful. It's not rules and regulations of 24 chapters. It's an invitation to trust him rather than yourself in the world. The world offers all sorts of invitations to provision and rest. And can I be honest with all of us for a minute? We all buy the lies. We all buy the lies. Maybe you, you've committed to, you know what, I'm not going to go into the office, whatever that looks like for you on, on the Lord's Day. I'm going to trust God's provision. But I'm, 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 I'm just going to check email in case i got to respond to any. But, but I, 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 I just get this one little project done because I want to be ready for but But you see what happens? Little by little by little. You know what? I, I'm, I really need to rest. So, so I'm going to go to Fiji for a month. You ever, you ever go away for a month? Sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. I've never done it. I want to try it. I'm kidding. What happens when you get back? It's a whole different rest. Paul, I have learned the power. I've learned the secret, not the power. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. The problem I have with this sermon, planes coming down, flaps are out, wheels are fully engaged, seatbelts on, we'll be on the ground in one minute flat. There's just no clear, concise rules and regulations to hand off to you on the Sabbath. Isn't that beautiful? I'll give you three takeaways. Set your deadly doing down and reminded, be reminded of Christ's done. You are saved and secure in Christ by what he has done and what he has done alone. Not at all by what you do. Number two. Be reminded that God runs the world and provides for us, not us. Don't, don't take the gift of the Sabbath and think that you need to provide for yourself. There are times when you need, listen, if, you, if your sewage pipe breaks on the Sabbath, call a plumber and shut it down. Don't hang around until Monday, unless you think that's a joke. Do you know that the Jewish people have been attacked numerous times on the Sabbath and will not fight back on the Sabbath? Judah Maccabee, go ahead and read about him in Jewish history. 
that an attack took place on the Sabbath, the, the Jews wouldn't fight on the Sabbath. No, 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 stop. But be reminded that God runs the world and not you. And then the final one, and this is the one I really want you to think about. Understand the Sabbath is a gift from God for rest and recreation. As we rest in the finished work of Christ, in God's perfect provision through Christ, and in our recreation in Christ, so that we can be a people who understand it is finished. Amen? Now, in about a moment, we are going to come forward and partake of the Lord's table, table together. And, and what a reminder of what the Sabbath really is all about. That the Lord has done what we could never do, and he will sustain us and keep us to the end as he provides, protects, guides, encourages, and equips us to live lives for his glory. Just, just marvel for a minute here. We, we, we take sin pretty casually, amen? I don't mean the big sins. No one murdered anybody this week, right? No one harmed a child. But, but the little ones, you know, the little ones that nobody knows about, but, but you and Google, or, or you and your heart and your inner thoughts, the, the, the ones that, that infect and creep and are culturally acceptable, listen, listen to me. A speck of sin in your life, before God on your own, makes you totally unworthy to come to this table. Makes it so you're totally incapable of coming before God on your own merits. But God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You, you ever think about that? How on your own you're completely unworthy of coming to God, but in Christ you are made fully worthy as a son of God. I mean, just, just that comparison as we come forward. Christ lived the life we couldn't. Why, why would he do that? Because he chose to in his perfect love for us. I'm just marvel at that a minute. Christ died the death we deserve so that he might make us righteous. Amen? There's your Sabbath rest. In a very real sense, through Christ, when God looks at you, he says, with you I am well pleased. He sees you as if you lived the very life of Christ. And in light of that, rules and regulations kind of fall away. Invitations to obedience based on our identity in Christ, through the finished work of Christ, in the power of the Spirit of Christ, drive us to joyful obedience in Christ. My friends, we, as we come forward, can be reminded that we cannot and need not try to impress God with anything we do. He is fully impressed with us in Christ. He will care for us as his very own children in his perfect power. Why and how? Because Christ lived the life we couldn't. Christ died the death we deserve. And in case you forgot a couple weeks ago, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. We serve a risen God in whom we might rest. Now, if you've trusted in Christ for forgiveness, if in Christ's finished work you rest alone for your identity in God as a child, 
through Christ you are made worthy to come forward. And if that describes you, I invite you to come forward as an act of worship and remembrance through obedience to take part in the sacrament through which the Lord strengthens his church in part. I'll pray. I invite you to come forward down the center. We'll return on the outside. And we'll close with a song and a benediction. Lord Jesus, our Sabbath rest, Alpha, Omega, Lord God, the one by whom and through whom and for whom all things were created. The fact that we can pray to you just blows my mind. The fact that you are attentive to us, the fact that you care for us, the fact that you love us, the fact that you have tied your joy to us, the fact that you have chosen us, the fact that we will live with you forever, the fact that you have conquered death, the fact that you have caused us to be born anew, the fact that you have raised us from the dead spiritually and one day will raise us from the dead physically. God, life could be no greater than it truly already is on the side of eternity for those of us who are in you. Lord, remind us of these marvelous truths of who you are and who we are in you and why we are such. And Holy Spirit, strengthen us to go out into a world that believes all sorts of lies about legalism or, or, or cheap grace and have us to go out and tell them about the beautiful reality of Christ who came to save sinners. Lord, help us to go to people and let them know that death has been defeated that sin has been conquered, that all will stand before you in judgment one day, but for those who trust in you, Christ will stand in our place. And Christ already has. Lord God, as we come forward, remind us of who we were apart from Christ. Remind us of who we are in Christ. And remind us of how that came to be. Remind us of the reality of what we celebrate at Christmas. That you, Lord God, took on flesh and dwelt among us. You who existed for all time. Truly God became truly man. Lived the life we never could. Died the death we deserve. Conquering sin and death. And three days later you rose from the grave. You ascended to the right hand of the Father, and one day you shall return, and until that day you keep us. Lord God, help us to marvel at that. Strengthen us in that. And help us to be a people who are a Sabbath people every day of the year, but who in particular, Lord, according to your word, understand how we might glorify you by setting a day apart each week to rest and recreate. For Lord, that is what this table we come before today truly is. A table in which we are reminded of the fact that we might rest from our deadly doing in your perfectly done. A day when we might marvel the fact that we were recreated by your power, Holy Spirit, through the atoning work of Christ, and by which we are being conformed to the image of Christ day by day for your glory, Father. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to come forward.